Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here with Dr. Robert Hilt to help you face these challenges head on. Dr. Hilt, thank you for being here. Thank you. He is a pediatrician first, then went back and became a pediatric psychiatrist. And he really prides himself on helping guide pediatricians and family docs and nurse practitioners in helping support children with medications and mood disorders and you know treat, treatment plans and even behavioral plans. And we're here today specifically to talk about his longstanding experience and guidance in caring for children with underlying mood disorders. And in particular, we're going to talk today about depression and anxiety, very common illnesses uh, in both children, teens, and adults. Um, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. How many kids in general will be anxious or depressed in childhood or their teen years? Um, Overall, the anxiety disorders are the most common childhood mental health concern. Uh, And I'm forgetting the exact numbers, but uh, at any one point in time, maybe 10% of of youth have a significant anxiety problem that they're dealing with. But anxiety problems are very rarely brought in for care in the same way that something more demonstrative like an aggression problem is brought in for care because anxious people are often quiet. Yeah. And if your kid's quiet and minding their own business, you may not notice that the problem is there. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> saying it that way. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a big number, 10% at any time. And, you know, if you think of a classroom, that's, you know, two or three kids in every classroom are kind of potentially even silently suffering through overwhelming feelings of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So in this podcast, we want to talk about those conditions of anxiety and depression, but specifically talk about um, medications that are used. So selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And we're going to talk about them because they get a lot of press. There's a lot of concern in using Using medicines in kids and teens, there's a lot of bias, and people, you know, I, I think come come in it with all sorts of. Some people are pill people, some people are not. Some people want to use medicines, some people don't. So let's just talk at the very top. What is, as what is an SSRI? So that's the abbreviation. So the SSRI stands for serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And when you take one of these pills inside our brains, uh, there are nerves that release serotonin as a signal from one nerve to the next. And after it's been released, the serotonin gets picked up again and pulled out of that little space because it's all done doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, The SSRI basically makes that serotonin hang around longer uh, and that's its sole function. How that helps anxiety and depression is still a bit of a black box. If that was all it took, the first pill you took of one of these medicines, you would suddenly feel not anxious or not depressed. (laughs) It is not that simple. (laughs) Um, You have to be taking these medications for weeks And it's the uh, very complex adjustment that our brains go through in adjusting to having some more serotonin around that is what eventually weeks later leads to the improvement. Yeah, so it's like this chemical, this you know, this medicine goes in, it allows serotonin to sit around and be more available, but it takes often four to six weeks for you to feel the effects and feel better. So let's talk, um, so, we know that over time, kids potentially like around, right, after a month or so will start to feel better sometimes on these medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about SSRI use in kids with depression. What do we know? Does it work? 
so we know it does work, um, but I, I pause for a second because it depends on the circumstance. If you have mild depression, um, not too severe, hasn't been there for long, uh, chances are that depression will get better on its own in a month or two. Uh, for more significant depression, you're having major life dysfunction because of the depression. It's been persisting for, for quite a while. Uh, you've even had thoughts about hurting yourself or, uh, or even killing yourself. That's a different category. And, that's more uh, severe depression. That's much more severe depression, and the medications have much more of a, a potential for benefit in that scenario. Well, we were talking before we started recording about a large study, or a, uh, a study that was not necessarily large, a study that was published last year in The Lancet that said, well, um, these SSRIs, the, there's only one of them that's effective, which is called fluoxetine, or what's called Prozac, of the 14 that they looked at in teenagers, and the rest didn't do any good. And help us put that in context, because pediatricians are still prescribing, as our psychiatrists are still prescribing these medicines for teens with moderate to severe depression. And, and why is that? I mean, what was what did that study do? And the media went bananas with it. Right. Um, right. But what's, what is your opinion about that? So that was a study, what we call a study of studies, right. so a meta-analysis. <laughs> yeah. uh, and most of the research that's been done and published, uh, controlled research for antidepressant medications, SSRIs in young people, uh, was... Uh, done for people who had mild to maybe moderate depression mm. and not individuals with severe depression. They weren't allowed into those studies. And so in those trials of milder depression, there was about a 45% or so placebo response rate, meaning a sugar pill was alone. just almost as effective as a flip of a coin. Yeah, as like flip of a coin. Mm. So, so they were really, you could say, failed design studies mm -hmm. uh, in that, uh, uh, you know, why would we even be giving a medicine if half are better within a month? Right. Um, the uh, few without studies, it, you're saying, yeah. Why would it. we give a medicine yeah. if in, in a month's time we give it to you know we give the real medicine to the group and we give a non-real medicine to the group and half of the people who got the sugar got better? It's like good grief. Why would you use a medicine that could give side effects if you flip the coin the other way and half are better? Right. Yeah. And the uh, there's one very large government study that was done on the patients that we want to treat. Uh -huh. With these medicines, moderate to severe depression, it was done back in 2004 called the TADS, Treatment uh -huh. of Adolescent Depression Study. And uh, individuals in that study had uh, moderate to severe depression, had suicidal thoughts, suicidal behaviors in their past are the ones that we want to treat. And they randomized uh, that group to either a medicine alone, a medicine plus good psychotherapy, mm -hmm. psychotherapy alone, or a sugar pill. And they found that the group that did the best most quickly was a medication plus psychotherapy. Medication alone came in second place. Mm -hmm. Psychotherapy came in third place. And the uh, sugar pill was down around, I think, around 30% response. So, so my gestalt from that is really that, first and foremost, a combination intervention with kids who are depressed is, is typically what you're going to hear a clinician recommend and what I always right. recommend um, in these children who are moderately too severe so that your learnings from the TAD study, also this, the meta-analysis from the, from the Lancet in 2016, is that um, it, it depends who and what kind of depression you're treating with how an SSRI will work. Right. In mild depression, it may not do very much good, but in moderate to severe, there's a good chance that that in combination with psychotherapy or maybe alone will help a child in that very risky condition. Right. And the, and the goal is to get better quicker. So there, yeah. there are some other analyses of even that TAD study after the fact saying, well, even though they got better quicker, um, 9 to 12 months later, most of the groups ended up in the same place. Um, 
but that's sort of negating the fact that six months or so of your life, you're not functional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a big deal for kids. Absolutely. So from a standpoint of, you know, what parents should know about SSRIs in depression, it's worth talking with a clinician about the risks and making sure that you're understanding that if your children's symptoms are more mild, it may not do a lot of good, but getting quicker, faster can be really important in a dynamic changing lifetime of a teenager in particular, which is where we use them the most. Right. And I tend to think of psychotherapy as the Recommend, as yeah. the, the uniform recommendation for yeah. a significant depression is just with or without adding the medication. So um, I want to go to side effects, but I want to first start. I want to move to anxiety, and then we're mm-hmm. going to do the side effects again. So in treating children with anxiety that is so pervasive, actually, culturally, which we know in some part is really biologic, that you inherit a tendency towards anxiety from your parents. And then you also live sometimes with anxious parents. So you learn modeling like that. And we right. see it a lot. With anxiety, what do, how do we use SSRIs? And um, how effective are they? Uh, so they have a similar place in that uh, we generally wouldn't recommend an, a medication for treatment of anxiety that's in the mild category. Mm-hmm. Learning cognitive behavioral strategies um, can be quite effective for anxiety. And in, te- and in fact, with a good therapist, you're going to learn the skills that you can keep with you the rest of your life right. for the next very anxious uh, generating scenario. Yeah. Um, Which is life, like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bad traffic even. Yeah. It can make you very anxious if you're late. Um, overall, the SSRI medications are more effective for anxiety symptoms than they are even for depression. So I don't think most people know that. No. I'm going to say it again. You said it perfectly, of course. But SSRIs are more effective for anxiety than they are for depression. I, I don't think most families know that. I don't even know if a lot of clinicians know that. I only learned, I told you earlier, I only learned that once I became a pediatrician in practice and had the great fortune of having a pediatric psychiatrist in, in, my, in my practice, but also in the same building who guided me um, in, in that. So why, do you know why? I mean, is there a biologic reason or a you know, cellular I, level reason that we think they're more effective with anxiety symptoms than depression? Um, we're, we're still learning really the true causes of depression and anxiety <laughs> yeah. and all of the different complex brain pathways and uh, receptor regulation properties. Uh, it's, it's, we, we don't truly know the answer to that. Yeah, and I will point out that what's interesting about, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but what's interesting about the differences, too, in using SSRIs for anxiety and depression is we use very different doses, mm-hmm. and the response time's different as well. Is that correct? It can be. Uh, so for, for incredibly anxious young people, part of why we often start with very small doses is if you're really, really anxious and you're experiencing anything like a side effect, your anxiety may go fly off the handle. Oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Yeah. I can't take this medicine. And so they stop taking a medicine that would be helpful for them uh. um, because the general rule of thumb is you get side effects first, benefits later. Yeah, that is so hard about SSRIs. That's such a good point because it typically takes four to six weeks when that serotonin has been sitting around in that mm-hmm. in that space between the brain cells to actually get the great effect. You get all the side effects. You wait, wait, wait through them. It's like, you know, it's like as if there's a gorgeous ocean out there, but you have to like wade through a bog to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? And then you finally get to the beautiful beach, but it, you have to get through all that junk first before you have any of that benefit. Right. Yeah. I often hear families worried about uh, starting one of these medicines, worrying that that means their their child's going to become addicted or have to take it forever. Yeah. And it's always a different conversation before the medication has been started than it is a conversation after it's been started yeah. and the benefits have occurred. Yeah. Um, then it's a 
oh, you can't stop it <laughs> because <laughs> right. things are going so well. But we don't generally recommend indefinite use. Right. We'll say six to 12 months of getting your life back on track. Yep. And then kind of weaning off. That's another point. You always want to wean off an SSRI as well so that you kind of gradually kind of get used to a different level of that serotonin around. And, and sometimes kids will stop all on their own. And so that's one thing a family should always know about is making sure that you're kind of watching for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk quickly about side effects. I mean, SSRIs really carry big, bad, ugly, yucky side effects. Um, first is the quote-unquote black box. You used the word black box earlier in the in the podcast in a different way, but the black box warning, which is this may make a child more likely to commit suicide and a conversation about that. Can you explain the black box warning? So the black box warning is based on the controlled studies uh, that have been done. There was about a two-fold higher risk of having a suicidal thought or self-harm thought Mm -hmm. while taking the medicine versus taking a placebo or sugar pill. Mm -hmm. Um, Curiously, um, for the studies that were done for anxiety as opposed to the studies for depression, that was a more common problem, Mm -hmm. that if you just look at the depression studies, it wasn't that big of a difference. What we understand with these medicines is, like I said, side effects are early. Some kids who take these medicines feel more irritable or agitated. uh, It just doesn't agree with them. And that that generally happens in the first few weeks of use. And if you're at baseline incredibly anxious or you're really, really depressed, uh, it kind of makes sense to have a thought pop into your head, and I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's important to, to, for providers to be checking in uh, and for parents to be checking in with the young person to make sure this hasn't happened. So what are other side effects of the meds? Because there are lots. I mean, okay. what do you see in your practice? Um, yeah, there's, a, there's one other thing about the, uh, um, the, about this, about the warning that yeah. I like people to know about. Although it is an individual risk that some kids may have more of these thoughts, Overall, with population use, every time we've looked at the populations, as you increase the use of these medicines, you see a decreased rate of suicidal um, behaviors. So um, they seem to be protective. For instance, mm. when the black box warning came out, there was a significant decrease yeah, in use. In use and exactly correlated with that was a significant bump of uh adolescents or young people going to emergency rooms after an intentional drug overdose. Mm. Um, and all the, all the studies are looking at whether these medications were related to suicide attempts is not found a strong signal. So it's a complex issue. It's so complex. I so appreciate you explaining that, even with the data that, right, the, the attempt, the ending life attempts increased in that time period. So I, I look at it this way of... This is a medicine that could make you have your child who's already having a hard time have a harder time for a short period of time. You need to be very careful, but it doesn't mean you need to stay away from the medicine. It's it's surveillance based too that is so necessary. Other side effects that you know oh. I, I often like to mention are you know it can be hard for kids to sleep. Their appetite can change. Now depression and anxiety can change appetite. Right. Depression and anxiety can change sleep. And so when you're getting used to these medicines, just being patient almost and really continuing to have an open dialogue that those really might change. Um, ongoing headaches. Um, some kids will have a uh, daily headache. You can change what time of day you give the medicine. You can change if you give it once a day or twice a day. And in some kids, I've really seen that change the side effect profile, particularly around sleep change and headache change and things like that. 
Right. Um, you know, the other thing worth mentioning is um, a, a kind of um, a dampening in some feelings. That's how I've said it to teens a lot of time is like sexual dysfunction is listed at high, you know, as fairly common with particularly the start of some of these medicines. And some teens that really can even affect their mood if they all of a sudden don't like feel the same kind of sexually as they did before that. So I think those are things it's parents a, should always know too. Yeah. And uh, it sort of depends on who you ask whether that's a problem. If you ask parents about decreasing sexual drive. Uh, of 13. Of 13. The parents are usually quite in favor and the kids not so much. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so classic. It's so hard to be a kid. It's yeah. so hard to be a human being, but it's so hard to be a kid. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, lastly, what, like if there were just a couple questions that a parent could walk in um, to a pediatric psychiatrist or their pediatrician or family doctor or nurse practitioner, what questions do do you think parents just should ask about an SSRI being used or prescribed? Um, if it's been suggested already yep. by the provider, uh, you can ask them about, is this uh, an evidence-based recommendation? <laughs> um, part of part of why we talk about fluoxetine or Prozac for depression is, is the most evidence-based. Uh, all the controlled studies for depression in young people show it worked, and I can't say that about any of the others. Mm -hmm. There's more mixed results. And so we generally start with that one first before going further afield. Yep. Um, so is this a evidence-based recommendation? Uh, and is... Uh, is this the right, uh, uh, you know, asking about diagnosis really is... Uh -huh. uh, is this the right medicine for what's going on? For what's going on for mm -hmm. my child. Mm -hmm. So uh, if the child, if, if your child is just moody or irritable, maybe they have depression, but maybe uh -huh. there's something else going on. And yeah. SSRIs for just being moody are generally not what we'd recommend. SSRIs can help anxiety disorders and they could help depression, but just moodiness uh, it wouldn't be where I'd go first. And lastly, if your child's, I mean, is there a certain time frame when you say it's not working or not? I mean, is it, do you say a cutoff is at eight weeks? Is it 12 weeks? When do you take it? Maybe kids suffered through some side effects, gotten used to it, and then still their mood doesn't change or their anxiety doesn't change. When do you just kind of pull the plug and gradually get off of it? Uh, at any given dose, it takes four to six weeks to see all of what it will do. Um, but we don't generally start somebody on the highest dose. Right. So we start a dose, make sure it's well tolerated, and increase if there's no problems and we still haven't seen a benefit yet. In the most depressed patients, I might advance doses more quickly just mm -hmm. to ma make sure they're not lingering at a dose that's too low, too low for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um, but if there's no rush, I tend to take more time because I don't want kids to have a bad experience. And then if you have a failure of the SSRI and it doesn't work, is that about let, let's say you've done a dose, you've gotten to six weeks, you've upped the dose, you've waited another six weeks. If at that point you still don't see, is that when you'll kind of turn back the dial and say we got we to gotta think of different, different ways um, or a different medicine perhaps? Right. So we'd always rethink, just double check, do we have the diagnosis right? Yeah. Um, it's another thought to have. And if one SSRI medication fails, there's about a 50-50 chance that a second one that's tried mm -hmm. could well, help. Mm -hmm. um, so Jeez. we usually try two of them before giving up on the class. Yeah. And then there's many others to try. Uh, different other, kinds of medicine. Different kinds of medicine. If it's a scenario where your young person is having enough dysfunction, then a medication is appropriate. Is there any research that shows that if mom benefited from 
Um, this is this has come up from families, and I, I I can't think of a study, but I, I oftentimes say is that you know does someone in the family use an estrogen? Often yes, in a child that I'm treating, yeah. and then um, I've been guided in the past of of using the same medicine. Is there data that backs that up for a child if the family members used one and benefited from it? Uh, it's a common thing we talk about and uh, seem to observe, but yeah. data not so much. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's two parts to that. One that your biology may be similar. If you're a first-degree relative, if it's something a grandparent took, it probably doesn't have any bearing. But a sibling or parent who took the medicine that worked for them, it, I think there's a slightly higher chance that it could work for that particular person. Um, but uh, if parent took something that would not be appropriate for a young person... Yeah, don't reach for that. I won't reach for that. Yeah, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Um, Depression and anxiety are such hard and complex challenges for kids and their families. Um, using medicines for more severe anxiety that is dysfunctioning in a child's life and for moderate to severe depression has good evidence. SSRIs mm -hmm. can be effective with time. I think we were reminded today by Dr. Hilt that you first get all the side effects, and after four to six weeks, you can get some great benefits in combination with psychotherapy. Ask about, is this the right diagnosis? Is this the right medicine? Um, and talk in constant contact in some ways week to week when you're changing doses and a child's exploring and getting used to these medicines because some warnings that there might be harder days or thoughts that come into those child's minds. Thank you so much for all this help, Dr. Hilt. You're welcome. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 